and it's been spectacular. Like they're great for us. Uh, we're great for them. It's a really good symbiotic fit. And um, that's really how we kick things off. Welcome to the Disruptware Podcast. Whether you're just starting up or scaling your software business, we interview the experts with ideas and strategies you can implement today. Now here's your host, Paul Clifford. Hi there, software entrepreneurs, and welcome to the Disruptware Podcast. This is the show for entrepreneurs who are either just starting out or those who already have a software company and are looking for techniques and ideas for massively scaling their business. And the way we do that is to interview experts in the market who are already running their software company. And whatever level they are at, they have great content to share. And we dig deep to get factual experiences that you can put into action right now. So let's get on with our guest today. Okay, so on today's show, I'm really excited to introduce uh, someone called Al Bashara, who is the founder of a company called Embark which is all about email marketing and optimizing open rates and click-throughs. But essentially, I'm going to let Al explain everything about that to you. But the one thing's great about Embark is it, it's, um, it's really succeeded uh, really well over the last couple of years. They raised $1.25 million, uh, in uh, equity from VCs and angels last year. They graduated both from the Founder Institute and Techstars Accelerator Program. So I'm really excited to get Al on the show talk about his startup and, you know, hopefully give us some strategies for growth and, you know, even some insights into email marketing as well. So Al, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. That's a, that's a great intro. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can help somebody somewhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I really appreciate you taking time out your busy day. I know what life in a startup's like, you know, you have to do a bit of everything, no matter what level you're at. Um, so, you know, let, let's kick off by just like in your own words, just tell us a bit about Embark, you know, what's that sure. all about? Yeah. So Embark, um, automates essentially the two main things that email marketers have to fight with every day, right? Uh, who to send to and what to send them. Uh, so our data intelligence on each individual automates both of these items, ultimately giving the consumer content they actually want to engage with. So because they're getting content they want to engage with, uh, we're increasing opens, clicks, and revenue by 5 to 20%, uh, which is essentially more money for marketers and kind of less crap in your inbox for, for us as consumers. So it's a win for everybody. That's amazing, you know, because but my experience in the internet marketing world is um, very much from email side of things. You know, I, I obviously I have customer lists, um, but I also promote, you know, a lot of products as an affiliate as well. And you know, everything comes down to, you know, the open rates, the click-through rates and everything like that, you know, and even just a few percentages on your open rate, you know, can make a big difference. I mean, a huge difference to your campaign. And I guess, you know, it, with your sort of customers, um, you know, where you're talking about hundreds of thousands of mails per day, I guess, um, you know, those sorts of percentage points make like, unbelievable difference in revenue Dr right? dramatic differences yeah in some cases it's millions per day um and you know these a lot of the bigger companies especially the the ones that kind of have that direct line from a click to revenue which is usually in the commerce space they know exactly how much one click makes them right, right. so if you can increase that number then they can clearly uh, identify a return on that investment wow cool so what you know how do you do that you know how do you um obviously without giving away your your secret sure. source, you know, how do you, um, you know, get 
increases in open rates and click-throughs in a nutshell, if there's a simplest way to, to frame it? Yeah, well, essentially, we, we pay attention to the consumer that you're sending emails to. Uh, we learn their behaviors. We learn their interests. We watch what they do. And, and not for a creepy reason. We do it because we want to provide the consumer with something better. Um, and the only way to do that is if you know more about them as an individual, right? So, you know, the, the biggest problem with email marketing today is it's a email is a very personal channel, but marketers don't have the tools to treat it as such. So they treat it like a public one and everybody gets the same messages or very nearly the same messages. Um, so really we watch, you know, when people are engaging, the devices they're engaging from, uh, geographically where they are, what their interests are, what types of emails they're engaging with, things like that. Um, and we don't, you know, hand all this data to the customer. That's that, that, then they'd still have to do something with it. We actually allow them to automatically take action on that. So, you know, we would say, okay, here's a group of people that are interested in this type of thing. Now, you know who you need to send to and you know the content you need to send them. So go do it. Right. So kind of like demographic, demographic, but on a larger scale, like demographic yeah, I mean, breakdown of the customers, you know, um, and and not only that, I guess working out when are the best times for opening mails and things. Absolutely, yeah. So it, there's definitely a demographic piece to it. Um, but there's also a very heavy behavior piece to it, um, and time optimization is one of those things, right? So we're going to make sure that we deliver an email to each person when they're most likely to engage, right? Because for some people, that's in the morning. For other people, it's in the evening when they put the kids to bed. Some folks, it's on their mobile device at lunchtime, right? Um, it just really depends on each person, um, and that's that's really where all of our decisions are made um, are, are based on that individual. Right. So I guess if I'm framing this right, so you kind of track, um, let's say, you know, your your John Doe, and um, you know, you store, you know, against him like when 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 he normally reads his email, and so if I'm a customer of yours, you know, and I want to you know, send a campaign out, then you'll make sure that John Doe only receives my, my mail um, at, the, at the time when he, he's normally reading his mail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it goes back to listening to what the customer's telling you, right? When they open and click, that's some, they're telling you something, right? Yeah. They're telling you, hey, this is when I engage with your stuff. Um, and over time, we get much, you know, stronger signal and we can look through historical data and we can look through other things to really make sure that we're, we're hitting the mark for those people. Fantastic. Okay. And, you know, to, to, you know, I have a lot of, uh, internet marketers, you know, in my communities and, and we're always talking about, you know, how to get, um, you know, increases in open rates and things like that. And you're obviously tackling it from the technology side. Um, you know, but how, is there any tips or advice that you can give people, you know, from the way they write? You know, is there a certain length of email that they should put together? Should they try and target certain types of uh, subject lines or anything like that do you sort of recommend or or help your customers along that side of things as well yeah it's it's interesting we we don't necessarily help so much with that specifically today but um certainly we're we're in the space so we we pay attention to that stuff um the interesting thing uh, that that obviously we see like talk, talk take it to a take it back to time optimization right you can look on the internet and pretty much find if you want Saturdays at 3 p.m. to be the right time to send an email, you will find a study that says Saturdays at 3 p.m. is the right time to send an email. Um, the problem is, you know, these this data is based on aggregate information and it's based on different types of customers and companies that are sending. Um, 
and all these different groups. Um, and the same thing goes for content, right? The bottom line is you need to test. You need to try some things because your customer base is going to be very different than mine, right? Um, different types of companies have people following them or receiving their emails for different reasons. Uh, some of it may be knowledge. Some of it may be, you know, deals and discounts. Some of it may be, you know, very important to their day-to-day. -day. Some of it may be fluffy. Um, and they're going to, each individual is going to engage differently with those types of things. So I would definitely say do heavy, heavy testing, right? See what works. Try something. Be very rigorous about that. Try different lengths. Try different subject lines. Um, try different things and figure out what works for your audience, uh, generally speaking. And then, you know, work your way towards trying to figure out how can I deliver what each person wants inside of that framework. Um, does that kind of make sense? I mean, I'm not really answering the question, but uh, I really believe in the fact that personalization and testing and doing what's right for your customer base, whoever they are, is really the only true answer. Mm. And, and yeah, I mean, I mean, the whole topic is really fascinating to me. You know, I was uh, in deep discussion with the head of mail delivery for a company called Entreport. Um, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago and you know he was saying like that the key thing now with esps is they're just looking for engagement and you know if you're not engaging your customers you know within your first two or three emails in other words if they're not opening and clicking then you're far more likely to go into the spam you know in the spam box on your fourth and fifth etc you know all their, their algorithms are geared around engagement now yeah absolutely yeah. i mean it is it is a, a big buzz right now that personalization and engagement and all that stuff is uh, that that segment of the marketing automation industry is growing pretty dramatically, especially in the email space today. Yeah. Um, it was big in social for a while, um, but the email channel wasn't, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit less sexy, despite the fact that it knocks the pants off of pretty much every other channel from an ROI perspective. Um, and it's starting to get a lot more attention now. Um, so. Yeah, it's hugely important. Which is fantastic, you know, for, for your company, you know, because I think you're, you're groundbreaking in terms of what you're trying to do um, and certainly, you know, ahead of the curve. And, and I guess, you know, that's why, you know, the tech stars and all these people sort of jumped, you know, and were keen to get involved, um, you know, with your organization and, and really accelerate it. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, tech stars in general, well, the funny thing is we actually went into Techstars with a different idea. Um, right. Techstars is big on um, the founders and the team. That's really what they bet on because, um, you know, I, I, it's my belief and, and there's a lot of people that will back me up on this that, you know, people can't pick good companies, but they can pick good people, right, um, that will probably figure it out in however, whatever manner they need to figure it out. So so Techstars, and, you know, they bet on the, the founders and hope that they'll figure out the product. And ironically, this product came through going through the Techstars process. Um, we were not doing this when we, we got into Techstars. Ah, oh, that's really interesting. Okay. That's brilliant. So what did you, I mean, let's, you know, now we talked a bit about Embark and, and email marketing. Sure. Let's just take a step back a bit, you know. So how how did you get started? And, and perhaps maybe take it a step further back, you know, what, what did you do before this? Yeah, sure. So I'll kind of give you a quick history of, of me. Um, I grew up in Detroit and uh, I got an electrical engineering degree, worked in the auto industry uh, for Chrysler and GM for a little while and just wasn't my speed, wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. And so moved out to San Diego about 15 years ago and kind of been doing startup stuff ever since. Uh, so 
my first gig was uh, I was a second employee at a startup that uh, built and managed large scale corporate networks. Right. Uh, we right. grew that company to 50 or so people. Um, I left and started my own e-commerce e company around, I guess this was 2003 or so, and <laughs> had marginal levels of success. I mean, I made a ton of mistakes. I, I did, now that I look back, it was like, I did everything wrong. Um, so it was a great learning experience um, for me. Um, but, you know, I wasn't surrounded by the, e the startup ecosystem and mentorships and things like that that I am now. So learned a lot from that, made a bunch of mistakes, actually went back to the original company uh, that I started with. We ended up getting acquired. Um, and I, you know, I had a small uh, bit of equity there. But after that, um, I kind of got the itch to do my own thing again. So this is, you know, we fast forwarded to about three years ago. And uh, I joined the Founder Institute, uh, which is a, you know, really early stage program. And it's great for early stage uh, founders. And that's where I met my co-founder. Um, and that's where Embark was born. And we were focused on communications in general, right? That's kind of something that we were both very passionate about and we wanted to solve some problems there. And so we iterated a number of different products. We tested, um, we, we built some small stuff and a number of MVPs and, um, you know, iterated through a few different products over say maybe a year and a half, um, settling in on one where this is right before Techstars. Um, we were actually helping developers communicate on multiple channels. So we give them one API to use to communicate with, say, email or Twitter or Facebook or any of these other communication channels. And it was good. Like we we had some customers and partners and we were doing okay. But then we got into Techstars and everything changed. Um, we, you know, we realized that we had a good company, um, but we were going to struggle to make it a great company. So we spent, you know, Techstars is a three-month program, and we spent a good month and a half of that figuring out where we were going to land, um, and it was grueling. It was brutal, and there were days where I wondered if we were ever going to figure it out, but uh, uh, we did, and, you know, fast forward to, to a year and a half later, here we are. Wow. Yeah. That's brilliant, and, you know, not only are you, you know, have a really successful startup, but, you know, you really got involved in the startup community as well, haven't you? I think, you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, you create this startup poker, uh, mentor <laughs> hours, Evo start. Just tell us a bit about that. What else you're doing there? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm really bullish on the San Diego startup scene. There's a lot of great things starting to happen here. And bottom line is, I mean, I want a good community for startups and, you know, I, I got a lot of help, um, over the past three years, once I really dug into the community from mentors and, and programs and things like that. And I, I want to make it better the people that are coming up behind us right um so so yeah the startup poker one is is great um it's uh we actually uh found it in seattle when we were going through Techstars, and we brought it to san diego so my co-founder brian uh started up and uh essentially it's a curated list of investors and a curated list of really good founders playing poker and we get together it's very casual it's fun uh, and it's a great way to just get to know you know different people different founders and network um the mentor hours is kind of a similar concept, but it's more really curated mentors, uh, some of the best in town and founders, um, and giving them 30 minute windows to get to know each other, um, help each other out and things like that. And we do that probably once every two weeks in small form. And then every quarter we have a big, massive blowout one where there's, you know, 25 mentors and probably, I don't know how many founders, a lot. Um, so been involved in those programs. And then uh, Evo Start. So there's there's an incubator program here in town called Evo Nexus. And uh, 
this we're we're in the middle of I mean we're MVPing this incubator program um, and there's five companies going through it right now. Uh, it's a four month kind of cohort based program inside of Evo Nexus um, and the goal is to get get these companies to product market fit, right? And there's specific things that they focus on each month to get them uh, down that direction. So, so yeah, it's our first run at it. And uh, so far it's, you know, we think it's going pretty well, but yeah, I just, I love doing this kind of stuff and uh, it's a lot of fun. So that's really good. And do you, do you like, you know, look, looking at Evo start, um, you know, when someone comes to you with uh, an idea, how do you sort of, I guess, vet them i don't know if that's the right word but you know you don't want to take anyone in right you want to make sure that you got the right person coming in because everyone you know you want them to be successful and it takes a certain type of individual to to be an entrepreneur you know to get through all the bumps and you know and 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 the troughs you know as you you move through uh developing a business so how do you actually you know qualify the right sort of person to get into evo start yeah it's a it's a good question and it's a tough it's a really tough problem to solve. And so there's Evo Nexus has had an application process for a while. Um, and we've, we've used that and, you know, made some tweaks and, and streamlined it a little bit better. And, you know, we've taken some notes from other, um, accelerator programs. Obviously we've been through Techstars and I've seen that. Um, one of the, one of the guys who's helping with Evo Start has been through Y Combinator. So we've seen that. And so we're, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but really it boils down to just, you know, you have your questionnaire and then you can weed out a bunch of people from that. And, you know, we ask for short videos so we can kind of get to know the people um, in person. We have a review committee that goes through some of the stuff and we start ranking and scoring. And, you know, everybody in the committee has their own things that they're looking for, which I think is good because you get a bunch of different uh, viewpoints on, on, on the teams. Um, but ultimately for me, you know, I'm looking for, entrepreneurs that are coachable and looking for entrepreneurs that have proven some ability to execute in the past um, that really kind of get it. Um, they have a good team, right? They may have an idea um, that they may have traction. It may or may not be right. That's a little less important, right? Because if they're the right team, they're going to figure out what's right. They're going to go talk to their customers. They're going to learn from them. They're going to pay attention. They're going to keep their eyes open and, and they're going to go after the, the, right, um, the right market or, you know, they're going to fill that gap that's this huge gaping hole that the market needs, right? Mm. And they're going to figure out where that is. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. That that help answer your question a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess, um, is it any any sort of age or anything like that? I mean, it's, you know, do you get people who sort of come out of the corporate world who want to do things as well as the, you know, the, the student type who's just got this crazy idea and happy mm-hmm. to live on Raymond noodles, you know, for the next six months? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's, it's all over the map. Um, and that's, that's something I think is really cool. It's, you know, you get this, there's, there's this painted picture of what a startup company is and it's all super young guys, fresh out of college, you know, crammed in a, uh, you know, (laughs) you know, sharing, uh, you know, living quarters and sleeping on couches and stuff. And, and that happens, um, but age is less important, right? Um, I think, you know, sure, younger guys are willing to take more risks and things like that, but they're, I know a ton of folks who are older, myself included, who, you know, this is what we thrive on. This is what we live for, right? We, we want to make a dent in the universe and we're willing to take risks to do that. And um, I think that's something that you don't necessarily grow out of. Like, if you've got it in you, you're going to have it in you for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I think age is becoming less of a, 
a stereotype uh, when it comes to, say, the startup thing, because we see it all over the place. And like I said, I'm I'm not exactly a spring chicken myself. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> me too, right? So, you know, and, and I took a big risk coming here. You know, I'd literally, we'd sort of just left the UK last year. Right. And thought we'd just come over here for a few years, you know, and, and, and try it out. Um, but, you know, what, what I've always find interesting is that, you know, there's a lot of amazing talent, um, and, and very young talent with amazing ideas and, and they can work all hours under the sun and get stuff done at a great pace. What, what I think what gets harder is, you know, the, the older you get, and I'm not talking about age per se, I'm just talking about, you know, when people get more established um, in their lives, so when they get married, they have kids, and, you know, they're in the corporate job, which pays pretty well, but they've got this burning idea, and they want to do something with it, that, you know, the longer you're, you're, you're in the corporate world, you have an established uh, life, <laughs> it, it, it makes it a lot harder, I think, for someone to actually, you know, leave that and start a startup. And I think those kind of people who, who can actually do that, I think they're the bravest to a certain extent. Um, and they're probably the ones most likely, and, and there's no stats behind this. This is just speculation, but sure. I, I see that in a way, someone who's prepared to take a risk, you know, leave their job, build a startup, and they've still got a family to feed and, and all the commitments <laughs> and everything around that, they've got grit. Right. You know, yeah. they're, they're going to succeed because, you know, it's not like they can just give up. And, yeah, there's. And, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go on. Go on. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's it's a different kind of motivation. Right. Um, for success or to, to figure it out, um, because like you said, you know, the older you are, you have likely more responsibilities. You have family. You might have kids, husband, wife, whatever. You've got, you know, a mortgage and car payments and things like that that you might not have had you know, 10, 20 years earlier, right? So um, the risk is different. Um, and your motivations for getting to the success that you need to get to are very different. So so I agree, right? Um, you know, you're young, you can, you can make mistakes and be like, ah, whatever, I'm young, I can keep at it and figure it out later. You know, you're older, you can still make mistakes, you just, you got to make them faster, right? More yeah. efficiently and get to the point quickly and and not drag it out because if you drag it out, then you're going to, you odds are your runway is going to run out quicker. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's like, and it's, and it's, you got to look at the core motivation as well. You know, when you're younger, you know, you want to change the world, right? When you're older, you kind of want, you want to feed your kids and change the world. <laughs> right. Um, so, um, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, and it was Jamie Tardy, who's the founder of something called eventual millionaire. Um, and you know, she, she essentially her, her whole, um, program is about interviewing millionaires, really pulling out their success stories and, and sort of mapping that into her mastermind. Um, but you know, what was interesting is she found out, you know, that with a lot of people who wanted to do, you know, great things and, and just never did it as soon as they had babies, they went and did it, <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like, it, there's, there's the, the clear, um, you know, category of people, as soon as they get a family, all of a sudden their motivation changes and they just go and do stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's interesting. And I, I wonder if, you know, I feel like there's, there's something that is very subtle, but very important. And that's a work-life balance, right? And I think it's very important for um, you to step outside your business every once in a while, get your mind out of your business. Um, so, you know, so you can either consciously or subconsciously 
think about it and and not um, not dwell in the details. And I think having you know a family or something along those lines kind of forces that, right? It yeah. makes you get out of your business because you have a family now. Like go spend time with them, right? So uh, it's an interesting thing. And and I hadn't actually heard that before, but that was the the first correlation that popped into my head as to maybe why that's a real thing. Because I know whenever I force myself to either go on vacation, which is, you know, relatively rare or take a long weekend or, you know, even just take a day middle of the week and focus higher level on business stuff then I, you know, that's when the epiphanies kind of come. Right. Yeah, exactly. Cause, cause you're giving yourself space to think, right. Yes. You know, even, even in a small way when I was, you know, doing my corporate job as, you know, I was like a, an exec for a startup but we're under massive pressure, you know, and, and every day you're just there in the trenches, firefighting or whatever. And, you know, I found that, you know, all my planning I was doing on a plane, you know, from one place to another, because right. it was, is, is the only place no one could call me. You know? Right. No emails or anything, you know, and all of a sudden you start thinking, oh, I should do it this way, that way. Um, you know, I mean, it's not the right way. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, it certainly proved to me that getting out, of the work environment and everything and doing something a bit different um, really did uh, make a difference. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I, I, I crack this joke every once in a while. There's, I don't, you weren't here when this happened, but San Diego County, the entire County lost power um, a couple of years ago. And it was for pretty much an entire day. I think it was somebody in Arizona flipped a wrong switch or something and the whole thing shut down. Right. Um, and the funny part was I, everybody came out of their house Everybody, you know, I met neighbors that I didn't even know existed, um, you know, so it's like something like that that kind of is a forcing function that makes you get out of your routine, um, you know, opens up doors to different ways of thinking, different people, different whatever, right? Um, you know, my joke is like we, we need to shut the power off once a day every month just to get people to do that because uh, it was fun. You know, everybody's like, well, let's barbecue and drink whatever beer's left in our fridge, right? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? It's amazing. You know, it's just a common, some sort of common thread in the community that gets everyone together, you know, and they all have one thing in common. Then that's what, right. you know, brings them out. Yeah. So tell me, let's just go back a little bit um, to, you know, how you got started. Well, not so much how you got started, but, you know, with Embark, how did you, you know, get your first customers on board? How does that work? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of partnerships. Um, and so for us, we have a, a really good partnership with a company called SendGrid. Um, and we provide value to their customers. And so they feed introductions to some of their biggest customers. Um, and, you know, we've been working on this partnership for a year and a half. And it's been spectacular. Like, they're great for us. Uh, we're great for them. It's a really good um, symbiotic fit. And um, that's really how we kick things off, right? Um, we... We do get some inbound and we're spending more time generating inbound. Um, you know, we've, we've just recently hired a marketing guy. So that's going to be one of our pushes over the next few months. Um, but that was a great way for us to get started. And so if you can find, you know, a partner that's got great customers and sees that you can add substantial value to them, um, you'd be amazed at what that can actually turn into. So that's really how we kick things off. Right. Okay. Brilliant. So, um, so if I'm if I'm a customer with you know an email marketing is a big part of my business, um, do I need to be using SendGrid or 
do I need to be using any particular sort of um, email marketing provider or software or anything like that to sort of get involved with your company? Right. So that's a good question. Um, we are not trying to replace the marketing automation tools and email service providers and things like that out there. We actually integrate with them. So uh, SendGrid is a perfect example of that, right? They do spectacular email delivery. Um, they have some newsletter products and stuff as well. And our integration literally takes 15 minutes. Uh, you can be up and running and using our stuff on top of your SendGrid platform that you already know and love, right? Um, when we we're in Techstars and we were doing interviews. We, we probably did 120 interviews in the first month alone. And a lot of what we heard was, hey, I actually kind of like the tools that I use. I just want to do more with them. Um, and you need to make it easy for me. So we kind of based the company on that because we kept hearing those three things over and over. Right. Interesting. So so SendGrid obviously is a good option. And, and do SendGrid have like the uh, – obviously, I know they've got the, the infrastructure for delivery – do they have like the front end software, like the autoresponder type software and stuff built in? Yeah, so they have. Um, they're they're really kind of um, building out their their marketing side of their infrastructure. So you know they have the newsletter product. They have some A/B testing. Um, I think they can do some trigger stuff, or at least it's it's early. It's getting close. So they're starting to come out with some of the uh, the more standard things that are that are required. Right. Okay. And, and then we layer on, you know, the intelligence on top of all that. Brilliant. Yeah. Cool. So, um, you know, one other thing that I know that you do, and maybe we should just talk a bit about that, you know, um, when someone has a new startup or a new idea, you know, they need to tell that story. They need to tell, you know, they need to put together the elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you talk on that, don't you? Um, quite a bit, you know, how to, how to pitch, how to tell a story, you know, to, to investors or, or on stage or something like that. So can you just give us a few tips or strategies on, on how you should do that? Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a great topic. I love talking about it. Um, <clears throat> there's, there's a number of things that, you know, um, when people are trying to tell their story, they don't do a good job of, um, and I, I could go on and on, but, um, you know, really it boils down to telling a good story, right? We're, we're all human. Um, you know, we want to be engaged with something we want, you know, when you're talking, I want to be paying attention to you because you're teaching me something, you're educating me. Um, it's exciting. It's a space that, um, you know, I can get excited about. It's a problem that I can actually relate to. Um, you know, a lot of times people go through and, you know, they'll, they'll look at Guy Kawasaki's 10, 20, 30, uh, template, right. Um, which by the way is great. Uh, but I, it's not something that you should cut and paste and plug your own stuff into, right. Because it's like, okay, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's the team. Here's the blah, blah, blah. That's not a story, right. That's boring. I've seen, you know, if I'm an investor, I've seen hundreds of those last week. Um, so You need to take those points, which are really valuable, and weave them into your story, whatever your story is, right? Um, Grab me with something in 30 seconds that makes me excited about what you're doing, and then keep grabbing me every 30 seconds, right? And and so one of the first things I do when I'm crafting a pitch of any kind is I will sit down with a huge sheet of paper on a big table, and I start drawing story arcs, right? Um, Okay, I could tell the story this way. And I don't care about what I put in it. I'm telling the story of Embark or of what we do or why we do it or whatever. And I'll draw like three or four of them out. Um, and then I'll take 
all the content that I know I need to provide and figure out how to weave it into that story, right? So now when you're presenting or you're, you're, you're handing a deck over and that story is in there or it's in your voice, it's, it's a conversation. It's not you barking information at me for lack of a better sure. term, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's engaging, you know, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Like if you're by the campfire and you're telling a story, you're actually telling a story and people are interested in hearing you, right? You're not just throwing bullet points at them because um, nobody's going to listen to that. So yeah, it's, it's really about figuring out how to tell that story well. And, and it's, it's hard. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, a lot of people fail at it because well, one, they don't try or they don't know to do that, but two, it's really hard to do. Mm. Um, and it takes a long time. Like, I mean, it took me forever to get my story right. Um, even while I was pitching VCs and angels, my, my story and my pitch changed every day. Right. Um, it's something that just kind of morphs and grows with you. So, um, yeah, I, hopefully that, that helps. Yeah, no, it really, really does. You know, funny enough, even with Disruptware, you know, I'm still evolving, uh, my elevator pitch on what that is. Um, you know, I started it as just for software entrepreneurs, but that's like meaningless, you know, so then it was, well, you know, for people who want to start a software business, um, or people who want to scale, you know, because there's both kind of audiences. Um, and, you know, and now I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, the message is you don't have to, have to be in San Francisco to be a startup, you know, join a virtual community where you still have the benefit, you know, of sharing strategies and everything, you know, in one forum based community. Um, and, you know, that's what Disrupt is all about. Right. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. It, it's, it's kind of getting that messaging right. Um, but also how it, it, it appeals to your target audience to make sure that they go, yeah, that's for me. Or I can understand that in, you know, in 10 seconds or whatever. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point is knowing your audience. Right. I mean, that I have different conversations that I have with, say, my mom and her friends versus a VC versus a customer versus whoever. Right. Because they, see things differently and they understand things differently and they care about different things. Um, so you have to figure out how to relate to those guys. And that's, that's another big issue, especially for um, guys who have built great technology and they're really excited about their technology and they want to talk about their technology or they just, they want to put too many details into their presentation or their deck or whatever. It's just, that stuff's not important. Like it's important for the conversation you have after the pitch, right? Um, so, you know, that the purpose of that pitch and that elevator pitch or that on stage pitch or your deck or whatever it is, is the peak interest. And that's mm -hmm. it. Like, keep it simple. Make me give me interest in the point where I'm flipping through these pages quickly. And I'm like, wow, I really want to learn more about these guys. I'm going to pick up the phone. Um, that's what you want. Right. You want that interest. So now you can sit down with that investor or partner or whoever it is and have a conversation. And then you can share the crazy details when they ask. For them, right. Right. Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Good. So, um, tell me, you know, in, where, where do you get your inspiration from? You know, as entrepreneurs, you know, you, you, you really need to wake up in the morning and sort of fire yourself up because there's no one else out there to do that. You know, yeah. what, what do you do to sort of get yourself, you know, motivated and keep driving, you know, your company forward? So that's a good question. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because, you know, for me, it's, really the the possibility of making a difference and making an impact um, in a way that not just makes 
my life better, but other people's lives better, right? So, you know, we were always focused on communications because we feel a number of aspects of it are just broken, right? And in particular, the email marketing system is is broken, right? There's a lot of room for improvement. Um, and that improvement will directly help my inbox. It will directly help uh, your inbox. It will help marketers with their businesses. Um, and so for me, you know, it's it's a little bit of that, but it's also the fact that I get to wake up, I get to come to a 11th story you know, building in uh, or 11 story office in San Diego with seven other startups um, that are all doing amazing things. And my team is now a team of eight and we're all amazing. And, you know, this is, I love working with these people. I love working in this space. I love coming into the office because I'm surrounded by people that are just way smarter than me. Right. And so for me, I get ridiculous value out of that as opposed to, you know, maybe going to a company and not being able to make an impact um, and not have a difference even within that company, let alone the world. Right. So um, that to me is kind of the, the nutshell of, you know, every morning I wake up and I, I'm not a morning person, but I wake up cause it's, it's awesome. And I want to get at it again. Mm, that's brilliant. That's, and it's really great to hear, you know, uh, and surrounding yourself by intelligent or people smarter than you um, is one of the a key philosophies i think who mentioned that richard branson actually mentioned that that someone asked him like what is the one thing that you could could do or what what's the one thing that you could attribute to your success and he said that he said you know all i did was focus on hiring people smarter than me to to run my businesses yep and and i got that from you know the first company i worked for here uh, the ceo that was one of his things he's like i i'm i'm bringing on people that are smarter than me cuz <laughs> we're not going to be successful if i'm the only one with answers right yeah uh, yeah. So, yeah fantastic well listen we're we're just at the end of the show al and i know you've got a massively busy day so um, i just want to say thank you so much for coming on i really enjoyed today's conversation um if uh, anyone wants to get hold of you how can they reach you um, yeah, so just al at embark.com is, is easy enough or go to the embark.com website. It's E-M-B-A-R-K-E.com. Um, yeah, happy to, happy to chat with, with founders, get you plugged into the system if you're here in San Diego or whatever. I'm, I'm all about that. Brilliant. Thanks again, Al. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, no, thank you so much. This was awesome. If you enjoyed the show, you can get the show notes from disruptware.com. And if you are not a subscriber and you're listening to this in the iTunes store, then please visit disruptware.com and sign up. That's it for this episode. Look out for next week's show. I'm Paul Clifford, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Disruptware podcast. Check us out on the web at disruptware.com.